It's always a privilege to have, um, to spend, for me to spend any time with Stuart. Um, uh, as many of you know Stuart, uh, some of you don't know Stuart. Stuart is part of uh, Antioch. He's also part of the New One Cymru uh, Apostolic Team uh, here in um, West in were we West Wales? Southwest Wales. South. Anyway, we, we work together to uh, support and encourage uh, church leaders uh, across our region. And, um, but he's been a friend for about five minutes. <laughs> no, no. Gosh, uh, 27 years, 26 years we've known each other. He was young then. Just, yeah. I'm going to get out of the way. Stuart, I'm going to pray for you. Come on, buddy. Um, Stuart, uh, let me just explain a little bit. Uh, Stuart is, um, has an international reputation. He's international. <laughs> He's known all over the place. There's people chasing him, hunting him. No. <laughs> Stuart is, um, uh, has um, a very sharp prophetic gift. And he's, he's recognized as a prophet amongst his peers uh, in this nation uh, and in other nations. And uh, we have invited him as a local leadership to come and speak to us regularly through the year um, and uh, build a connection w- with us and himself uh, in his role as a prophet. We acknowledge that this is Stuart's anointed gift from God. He's a proven, he has a proven track record. And uh, so, uh, as he brings his teaching, just open your ears, because Holy Spirit will be speaking to you through Stuart. So, Father, I thank you for Stuart. I thank you for his friendship, his commitment to love you more than anything else in his life. I thank you for the faithfulness that he has as a husband, as a father, and as a friend. Father, I pray that today we would have ears to hear what you're wanting to say to us through your servant, Stuart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be here again. Thank you for the invitation. It's always nice to come among people that you know. And uh, there's a few familiar faces here this morning. Some people, Barbara, hello. People I've known for many, many, many years and others that I've known for less period of time. But it's great, it's great to, to be here. So when I was here in the summer, I don't know if you, summer, look at the weather today. I was here in the summer when the sun was shining and it was beautiful. And I was sharing about the prophetic and I was sharing about the importance of the good and the authentic prophetic. There's a lot of stuff around that people put a label to, call it prophetic. And I listen to it sometimes and I go, oh my goodness, <laughs> who's blessed by that, you know, um, But we need the good and the authentic because the prophetic connects us to God in a very powerful way. If if all of us had the chance to share this morning of our negative, bad things, things we've said, things we've thought, things we've done that are not good this week, we'd probably all be maybe a bit surprised or (laughs) shocked or maybe encouraged that we're not the only one that has these struggles. And often our perception of ourself is often much lower than God's perception of us. Because we know what we're like. We, I remember being in Bulgaria and doing a men's group and I turned, got the men to share what God was saying to them that day. And one guy very honestly said, I'm glad you asked me today and not yesterday because of what I was thinking yesterday. And so most of us would have a lower perception of ourselves or lower understanding or even belief of ourselves than God has. And I think the prophetic is a unique way where where our God, who we know is in heaven, but he's also here because he's in us. We get through the prophetic, we get an understanding of how God sees us. When you look in the mirror, you see yourself. And most of the time we see, oh, I don't like that bit. I don't, oh, I'm not sure about that. Oh, I need to get my hair cut and, you know, whatever. We, 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 we see the things we don't like about ourselves. And the enemy is very good at, at emphasizing those things and pushing that agenda because he's about pulling us down and God's about pulling us up. He's pulling us up to a greater understanding and belief of who we are. We are amazing 
Each one of us is amazing. Each one of us is unique. Each one of us is creating the image and the likeness of God. Each one of us carries heaven, carries God, carries the spirit, carries his presence. Each one of us, everywhere we go, we're unique because we have a great opportunity to see his kingdom come. And that's what God wants. But the enemy is always about pulling down. And sadly, we pull ourselves down. And sadly, also, we pull other people down. You know, that's why, you know, the way we talk, the way we speak about one another is so important because we have the opportunity to build or destroy. I want to build. I want to build people up. I want to tell them how amazing they are. I want to tell them how wonderful they are. I want to tell them how unique they are because... So the prophetic is, is God's way of, of connecting us with how we're seen in heaven. How does God see you this morning? It's a good question sometimes to ask God. Holy Spirit, how, how does God see me? How, how do you, because often what we get back may amaze us, shock us, surprise us. But actually there, when God looks at you, because of Jesus, he doesn't see your sin. He sees that you're righteous. He sees that your sin has been washed away. You stand in his presence, full of glory and life and presence. You don't stand there with this burden of, of sin. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you as the world sees you or maybe your family or see you because they knew you as a naughty little boy or girl or whatever. God sees you in a completely different way. And that's why the prophetic is unique. And that's why we need the prophetic. And that's why so often the prophetic is so attacked and marginalized and uh, whatever. Because God doesn't want you to know who you are. God doesn't want you to understand. Because if you believe what God believes about you, boy, look out, world. Look out, community. Look out, your neighbors. Look out, your workplace. If you see yourself and understand yourself as God sees you, then... There's so much more that we can do. Just walking in a room, you bring the presence. Just walking in your workplace tomorrow morning on time to do a good job, you bring the presence, you bring the glory. You, it's, it's, so seeing ourselves and understanding ourselves as God sees us is so important. And the prophetic is also about establishing and seeing the kingdom, the kingdom of God come, the culture of heaven, the culture of, you know, Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, or taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's what we want is kingdom. What we want is the kingdom culture. You know, everywhere has a culture. Every church has a culture. Every every town has a, we have a culture. And what is culture? It's, it's basically the way we do things, the way things are done. When I moved to Wales back in 83, moved from, from near London, and I thought because I'd just driven three hours down the M4 that it was the same. <laughs> you know, I just come from London. I'd just driven three hours in a car. I'm still in the UK. I'm still in, you know, it's the same. Goodness me, I realized it was not the same. Very different. The Welsh, the Clatley culture, so different to the culture I was used to. And I had to relearn, and I'm probably still learning, because there is a culture, and culture is often unsaid. It's not said, you know, when you were born in Clatley or wherever you were born, no one got you up to one side and said, right, I need to teach you the culture of the town. No one ever did. It was just you observe it, you absorb it, you see it, and you just begin to adapt and behave in that way. So there's culture. Some of that is good. Some of our culture out there in the world is good. Some of it's pretty awful. Particularly if you look at social media and all those platforms. I mean, they can be very toxic and very negative. And you just say anything nice and someone's going to bite your head off. I mean, it's just not pleasant. So the prophetic is often about bringing the culture of heaven, the culture of God into our world. So that's why behaving in the ways that we do, seeing to bring compassion, to see to bring kindness, to see to bring goodness, is all really important. However small that kindness is, however small that you know compassion is, it's it's important because we're we're trying to bring the kingdom of God into this town, into this society, into this realm. When Jesus was on the earth, he often took the culture of the day and completely turned it on its head. 
You know, in Matthew 5, uh, verse 43, he says, you know, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He was quoting Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 23. You've heard it said, basically the religious leaders said, it's okay to love the nice people. But it's also okay to hate the nasty people, the bad people, the people that treat you not so well. It's okay, they were saying, to do that. They were taking scripture and just slightly turning it. In the very next verse, he says, but I say, so now this is, this is Jesus. You know, I, I, I like what I hear certain people say, I learn, and grow, but I really want to hear what Jesus says because I'm getting it from the horse's mouth. I'm getting it from the source. And the next verse, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I love how easy it is to follow Jesus. Because that's not easy. That's not easy, is it? That's not easy to bless your enemies, to pray for those who are spiteful to you, who persecute you. It's not easy. But Jesus is saying, I'm taking what's being said and I'm turning it on its head because the kingdom of heaven is very different to the kingdom of our world. The way heaven responds, the way heaven reacts to people. And we're often called to walk in a completely opposite spirit, which is not always easy. You know, if someone's nasty to you, there's that almost inside, like, oh, just want to get back somehow, you know. I really want to get back at them somehow. But often we're called to live and practice and walk in a different spirit because that different spirit uh, uh, contradicts uh, the, that negative thing and causes sometimes people to go, wow, that's so different. The world's this, but you're this. Why is that? And it's not easy. But often the prophetic is about aligning us to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom, the values of how, how Jesus would walk and behave in those situations. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus, and Jesus has been praying, and they're watching him pray. And they come to Jesus, and they say, oh, will you teach us? Teach us to pray like the other rabbis taught their disciples. Teach us, this was a principle. Obviously, they were observing a principle of, of those sort of spiritual people of the day, that they didn't just do something, they taught others to do it. And it's the same for us today. You know, It's not just about what do you do, but can you teach others to do what you do? Can you pass on? Can we be learners of one another? And when we see someone doing something that's good and right and effective, can we learn that? Can they teach us how to do that? I, you know, Christianity is a constant process of learning. Hands up if you think you've arrived. Oh, no hands. That's strange. No, I'm, so, I'm glad there's no hands because we've not arrived. We're all on this journey. We're all on this, this walking with Jesus. And, and, and we're constantly learning. And humility is the ability to learn even from someone younger than yourself. As well as someone older maybe than yourself. But humility says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm learning. I'm growing. But I've still got much more to learn. I've still got much more to grow. And I want to learn. And I want to grow. And actually, if it means I learn from a child, I want to learn. I want to learn from a child's faith, the child's, you know, acceptance of who God is. I, I, so we're, we're constantly learning. So the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. And that prayer is found in Matthew 6. It's called the Father's Prayer, the Model Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. I used to say it at school every day. I don't know if they still do in, in all schools. But, you know, in our school back in, in near London, every morning we went into assembly and we parroted off this prayer. I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I could say it because I learned it in my head, but I didn't know it here. And I'd parrot off this prayer every morning. He taught them, your kingdom come. That's one of the lines in the prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We're told in Matthew that, that Jesus talks about worry and the birds of the air and all of that stuff. And then he's right at the end of that, he says, but seek first the kingdom. And all these things, everything you've been talking about, clothing, food, everything else, will be added to you. I found that as I seek the kingdom, I get all this other stuff. We're seekers of the kingdom. So he taught them to pray, your kingdom come. That's God's desire to see his kingdom, his rule, his reign on earth as it is in heaven. And we look at heaven and imagine what heaven is like. And we want to see a bit of heaven on earth before we go to heaven. But then he goes on in the prayer. And this is what I want to touch on this morning. He goes on in the prayer and he says this. And forgive others their debts. As we, sorry, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or other verses said, forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. A few months ago, I was praying and just with my worship time and praying, and I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And when I found whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to me, whatever he says, it's never a statement, full stop. It's always an invitation. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he might tell you something and you could listen to it and think, oh, that's a statement. That's a fact, whatever. Very rarely is it just a statement or a fact. It's often an invitation, a draw from God to explore this more, to go deeper, to go further. That's everything, Even the prophetic is often an invitation from God to, to go up to a higher place. It's not just an invitation to go, oh, that was nice, carry on. It's often an invitation to go, God, what do I need to do in response to this? Whenever God does something... It's, it's not just, he's not just doing it because he wants to do it. He wants to do it, but he's often doing it to draw a response. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is often drawing out a response to God, to the Holy Spirit. And so a few months ago, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to him. This is what he said. I believe he said, there is a fresh wave of forgiveness coming to the body of Christ. There is a fresh wave of forgiveness coming to the body of Christ. And it caused me to consider my own life. And, you know, the one thing about life I've discovered is life will give you a lot of opportunities to need to forgive. Have you discovered that? The one thing I can say for certain, there's a few things I can say for certain, but this that's one of them. Life will give you... Many opportunities to need to forgive. Sometimes others and sometimes yourself. Someone once said, who's the hardest person to forgive? And they paused. And they said, yourself. Sometimes it's easy, it's not the right word, but sometimes we find it able to forgive someone else, but we find it hard to forgive ourselves. You hear people say all the time, I can never forgive myself. When they've done something or been involved in something or something awful, and they say, oh, but I could never forgive myself. And that's a sad pronouncement because actually it's really important that we do forgive ourselves. Because otherwise we rack ourselves with guilt and condemnation and all that stuff that actually we're not supposed to live with. So I felt the Holy Spirit say there's a fresh wave of forgiveness coming to the body of Christ. Now, forgiveness is not easy. If it was, we would just sail through it and do it without even thinking about it. It's not always easy. No, it's easy. If someone spills your coffee and says sorry, it's fairly easy to forgive. Unless they've done it every Sunday for the last six months, you know. Maybe there's an issue there. But generally speaking, if someone just, you know, nudges you, the British, we, we, we love to say sorry, don't we? I was in Tesco's. I was in Tesco's the other day, and I bumped into a lady with my trolley, but she said sorry to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it's my fault. You know, we we my mother-in-law. Bless her, she's with Jesus now. But my mother-in-law, if it was raining and we were going to do something when she was visiting, she said, oh, "I'm really sorry." I said, "It's not your fault, Mary. It's raining. It's not your fault." But somehow we feel this responsibility, don't we, for everything. 
So forgiveness is easy if it's, you know, a simple thing like a cup of coffee, but it's a bit more challenging if it's something much deeper and more painful that someone has done that we maybe dwell on, harbor on, you know, take on board. It it becomes a little bit more difficult to the extent that we think, well, I can't do it because it feels too hard, therefore we never make an attempt. We never start the process because we assume it's too difficult. But when we consider the impact on ourselves, because we don't, then we realize why maybe the Bible talks so much about forgiving. If you, I, I like sometimes to see what Christian people are saying about stuff. But I also sometimes like to look at what the world, what the secular world, because actually sometimes the secular world is more kingdom than the church in terms of, you know, what they say and they just don't realize it, you know. And so I looked up recently a number of leading sort of psychiatrists and doctors and therapists in this area, and they all said that the value and the importance and necessity of forgiveness, the impact on health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, through not forgiving, they always advocated the importance of forgiveness. And that's what the world is saying. Well, it's, it's also what the Bible is saying, what God is saying. So it's not easy. What, Ephesians 4.32 says this. And the context of Ephesians 4.32 is putting away lying, not sinning in your anger, not giving the enemy opportunity, not allowing corrupt words to come out of your mouth. And then in verse 32 of Ephesians 4, it says a really easy verse, really easy to do verse. I'm not, not really, but, it, but it's there and it's important. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you and then if you always need to read everything in context and you know when they when they wrote these these verses they didn't write Paul didn't get up and write Ephesians 4 go to bed get up the next day and write Ephesians 5 so you always need to understand how they're all connected then then the next verse first one says therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love forgive one another and when we look at community, you know, we're, this church is about community. Church isn't about, it is about meetings, it is, but it's, it's really about family and it's really about community. And all of us in family, in our natural family, would probably have had issues over the years where we've had to forgive. You know, some families dread Christmas because you get all these relatives and family together that you don't really like, you know, and you all have to come together and spend the day together and try not to argue with one another. Thankfully, my family's not like that, but I know families that dread Christmas because, oh, I've got to have these relatives around, but we don't really like each other. We've just got to try and get on. And then you add a bit of alcohol in the mix, and it's awful. <laughs> Be kind to one another. Tend Forgiving one another... Why? Because God in Christ forgave us. You've got that parable, haven't you, of the guy that goes to the king or a master and he owes him a lot and the master like, has compassion on him, forgives him. And then he goes out the room and he meets a, a friend, someone else who owes him very little in comparison and this person does the same thing. Oh, please forgive me, please, I'm sorry. Does he, does he follow the same principle? He's just been given, I don't know, maybe thousands, millions, whatever. No, he just chooses to act with not compassion and actually have him thrown into prison and then the master hears and, you know. So, so scripture is full of the principle of the, that God has forgiven us. We just took communion this morning, which is the ultimate symbol of, of God in Christ forgave the world. <laughs> God was in Christ, not reconciling our sin against us, but bringing total and complete forgiveness. And we, we benefit that in our own lives. You, you sit here today, a forgiven person by God, all your sin, forgiven. You're righteous because of Jesus. And yet sometimes, and I'm speaking to myself as well, sometimes when we live in life, we don't follow the same principles with one another because it hurts sometimes because it's painful what someone's done it's not nice and forgiving someone is not saying what they did was okay 
You're not saying, oh, they did this to me, and if I forgive them, I'm saying it's okay. No, you're not saying it's okay, what they did. What they did was wrong. What they did was unkind or hurtful or whatever. You're not saying what they did was right, and actually you're not forgiving them primarily for their benefit. You're forgiving them for your benefit, for your heart, for your mind, for your mental health, for your well-being. So you're not saying, oh, it was okay what they did. No, no, you're not saying it's okay. But forgiveness, and as I said, life will give you plenty of opportunities. I've been married for, don't tell Liz, uh, 36 years, I think it is. I might be wrong, so don't tell her. Um, (laughs) But it's quite a few years. And we've had to practice forgiveness over the years. One of the hardest words to say is, sorry, without blaming the other person. Have you ever said sorry to someone without justifying it by their behavior? I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have, you know, no, no, you're sorry. Whatever they did, they did. You are sorry if your response to that was wrong. You're not saying that they didn't behave right or wrong, but you're sorry for your response and the way you felt and the way you reacted. Hardest word to say. I've had plenty of opportunities over the years, and I'm sure she has as well, to, 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 to just release forgiveness to one another because relationship is more important. Depth of friendship, depth of... There are so many... We lived in Bulgaria for a year back in 2000. The tragedy was I met Christian after Christian after Christian who used to be in friendship, who used to be in relationship with someone who now was not. I, the, the guy that led the church we were in, his be- he was the best friend, sorry, best man to the other pastor in the town who they now didn't even have anything to do with one another because of something so stupid and trivial. And yet, they're chosen to walk out of a door and shut that door and refuse to forgive. These are leaders in a city. A friend of mine, someone I heard this story, and I think it's true, so I'm telling it. They went to a church, and when the service ended, the first half of the church left, while the other half stayed. And then when they had left, the other half left. So he said to someone, well, that was a bit weird. What, What was that about? He said, well, that half of the room, don't talk to that half of the room. They've just been in church together. They've just been worshipping God together. And yet, they don't talk. They don't share. They don't communicate because of issues of unforgiveness. So it's challenging, but it's important. It becomes hard because often when it's been a painful issue, there's, there's hatred, there's, there's anger, there's resentment, there's bitterness, there's all that negative stuff that gets into our hearts and that's why scripture says guard your heart we're supposed to guard our heart you can't blame someone else if you're not guarding your heart you've got to guard your heart against this stuff and deal with this stuff my father when he was alive he died when i was 14 but my father had this principle from scripture do not let the sun go down while you're still angry if he was angry with someone before he went to bed he'd try and deal with it meant he slept well (laughs) often but it's often also it meant that he didn't let it linger. He didn't let it dwell. He didn't let it fester. Have you ever gone to bed when you're a bit upset with someone? You probably lie there for a little while and think about it and fester on it and blah, 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 blah. You know, then you wake up in the morning, blah, you know. And by the time you get to work or the time you see them, you're like, you know, because you've festered on it. You've, you've dwelt on it. You've pondered on it. You've allowed it to take root in your heart. So it's not easy. Forgiveness can be a journey. It can be a process. I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's like, we, oh, I've got to forgive. Okay, I have to forgive. Oh, that's great. Sometimes it is a bit like peeling an onion. There's layers. You think you've done it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I've forgiven them. And then they walk in the room. And you realize you haven't. And you've got to do it again. You've got to peel another layer and another layer. But it's, it's often about choice. It's often about desire. God works with our desires. And often I, I might desire to forgive someone, and I'm on a journey, but the desire is there to peel back those layers and allow the forgiveness to come to the point when I can be in real relationship with them. So it's not easy. I'm not giving you easy stuff, but it's important. And as I said, it's more important for us than it often is 
for them. God's relational and he desires deep and meaningful relationship with us and with one another. The Bible is full of one another scriptures. Have you noticed that? Particularly in Paul's one, love one another, build up one another. We're raised up together with one another and seated with one another. In he- the Bible's all about one another's. It's not about you're just an individual. It's about one another because we actually, we're born into a family. We're born into a community. You're part of this church community. You're not just an individual, but you're part of something. You're part of family. And so we're called to one, love one another. We're called to connect with one another. We're called to love one another. Colossians 2.13, and now you're being dead in your trespasses and, and the unconcerned of your flesh. He has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. He made us alive together with him on the basis that all our trespass has been forgiven. That's the starting point. We sit here today forgiven people, forgiven by God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the cross, the blood, the resurrection, everything has meant that we can sit here totally forgiven by God. And now we can exercise, as Corinthians says, this ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled the world to himself, and now he gives to us the ministry of reconciliation, of reconciling the world back to God. And forgiveness will be a part of that. So we can't ignore forgiveness. Jesus talked about it. Even on the cross, Father, forgive them. He modeled it on his whole life. Far, even right at the most painful moment of his life, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Forgiveness was so much part of who he was and what he modeled. We're created to live in a relationship with others. And as I said at the beginning, life will give you lots of opportunities to exercise forgiveness proverbs seventeen nine says love prospers when a fault is forgiven but dwelling on it separates close friends the other version says love overlooks the mistakes of others but dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendship that's why gossip and negative talk about one another is so like unhelpful <laughs> Because it just, it just promotes a wrong way rather than a good way, a God way. He who covers, other words, the he who covers trespasses seeks love, but he who repeats the matter separates friends. We haven't got time now, but do a study on love covers sin. 1 Peter uh, I think it's 4.8, talks about love covers a multitude of sin. Do a little study on where that appears in Scripture, and I think you'll find that love covers sin where it's willing to forgive. Love covers sin because it's willing to forgive. It's not saying that that sin was okay, but it's willing to forgive and cover it. Because, so you cover it in love because it's willing to forgive. As well as the one another's in Scripture, there's the put on in Scripture. Put on. Put on love is one of the most important. And it says in Colossians 3.12, And therefore, as the elect of God, put on. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Pretty clear. We put on. In putting on love, it includes mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, and forgiving one another. Wouldn't it be tragic if we spent our lives living in the hurt and pain of unforgiveness and the impact that can have on our lives? And then the context of the Colossians 3 is put on, above all these things, put on love. Because if you put on love, often the other things will flow as a result of that. But if you don't put on love, <laughs> then you're going to live in a completely different way. As I said, forgiving someone 
is not pretending that what they did was okay. And it doesn't remove them of the consequences of what they did. Particularly if it's painful, particularly if it's really bad, what they did. It doesn't remove them of facing the consequences of it. You're not, you're not releasing them. You know, if someone killed your child, you might, with God's grace, be able to forgive them, but they still might go to prison because that's wrong, what they did. So in forgiving, I remember saying, someone saying to me once, I don't want to forgive that person because I'm, I'm letting them off. I'm going, no, no, you're not letting them off, you're letting yourself off. They might still have to face consequences, but you're letting yourself off. You're letting yourself, your heart off being full of bitterness and rage and anger and resentment and all that stuff that's going to impact you and not just that relationship, but all your relationships. Because if we're living in unforgiveness, we often struggle to build really meaningful relationships because we're, we're carrying over into today what we experienced yesterday. So actually, it doesn't just impact that relationship, it impacts all relationships. That's why forgiveness is important. So you're not letting the other person off. You're not saying what they did was okay. You're, what you're often doing is bringing yourself peace of mind. Scripture talks about the peace of God that transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And forgiveness is often part of bringing yourself to having a peace of mind where you can just be at peace with yourself. And as I said at the beginning, we're nearly done now. As I said at the beginning, one of the hardest persons to forgive is yourself. People say, and as I said, people say, I could never forgive myself. I did this, I did that, I said what I shouldn't have said, I did what I shouldn't have done, I can never forgive myself. And even when someone else comes and says, you know, and and, and releases forgiveness, you still can't forgive yourself. And you carry around that, you know, you know what, I found that God can. If you, not only Jesus forgave you, God forgave you, and you can forgive others, you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of God, you can forgive yourself. You can walk out and forgive yourself rather than beat yourself up every day over what you did or didn't do. Forgiving yourself is difficult. As I said, even those in the secular world of counseling and therapy will will talk about how important it is to forgive. I was in a meeting a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, and I think it was when Carol and John Arnott came to Clanthley many, many years ago. We did a big, crazy few days in Antioch and uh, with them. And they had this thing about forgiveness. I don't know if you were there, Bill. Yeah, and they had this thing about forgiveness and the importance of forgiving the person, particularly in the area of, and I wouldn't say this is true of all physical healing, but certainly it's true of some physical healing. So I remember they got this lady up and she had a really bad back. And she'd been really struggling with it. And she'd had an accident where she'd fallen off her horse. And the horse had fallen on her. And, and they, what they, so they were just about to pray for her. And I can't remember whether John or Carol. They said, have you forgiven the horse? And I think, that's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> it's like a poor horse. You know? And she said, no. They said, well, just forgive the horse. So she forgave the horse for falling on her. She was immediately healed of something she had been bad with for years. And then throughout the two or three days, not everybody, because this isn't a principle of every illness and physical complaint, but a number of people was like, have you forgiven that person that did that to you? No. Well, why don't you try and forgive them? And when they forgave them, healing flowed. I remember a, a friend of mine being in a meeting with a lady with severe, and again, this isn't true of all arthritis, but severe arthritis, and she wanted him to pray. And he said to her, oh, have you forgiven your father? The father had been pretty awful to her, pretty horrible to her. And she said, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't forgive him, can't forgive him. Oh, and she immediately got very angry. He said, okay, just maybe go home and ask the Holy Spirit. <laughs> went, she went home, went through the whole night. God woke her up in the middle of the night, went through the whole night forgiving her father. I forgive him for this, I forgive him. And then she woke up in the morning, got out of bed and realized she had no more arthritis. No one had prayed for her. But somehow she was able to forgive 
the man that had done the worst things possible to her, God was loving and gracious to her physical body as well. So forgiveness is not easy. If it was that simple, I wouldn't even be talking about it. (laughs) It's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. But thank God for his help. Thank you, Jesus, that I've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in me who were able to forgive the world. You have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit living in you who are able to forgive the world. So I think he's got some experience in this area. He's got a good track record in this area. He forgave you. (laughs) So he's got a good track record. So he can help you to forgive where you don't think you can. He can bring you to a place of total and free forgiveness. You know, it wrecks relationships, can wreck marriages, friendships. It's horrible when you see good friends separated through unforgiveness. Friendships that were meant for the kingdom separated through unforgiveness. Relationships that were meant to model Christ his goodness, ruined because of unforgiveness. Sad. And yet, Holy Spirit can, I believe, bring oil into those relationships and bring incredible forgiveness where it seemed totally impossible. Totally impossible. I remember being in a meeting overseas and I spoke about forgiveness and these two pastors got up again. They'd hated each other. I mean, not just disliked, they'd hated hated each other and they embraced at the end of this and it was just oh, it was a beautiful picture of the kingdom of the restoring power of God that these two men that had hated each other openly talked against each other could embrace with tears and you know genuine love and affection for one another only God could do that So it's not impossible, but we have to start. You can't get to the end of a journey unless you start the journey. (laughs) You've got to make a start. And the start may be a long way away from where you want to get to, but at least you've made a start. And sometimes the start is, God, I'm willing to forgive. I want to forgive. Please help me. (laughs) Please help me. Because I've got a few years of a bit of anger and bitterness and jealousy and frustration to deal with. So please help me. And he takes us and gently helps us navigate that journey. And the journey will have three steps forward and maybe one step back. But at least you've made two steps forward. Don't neglect small steps that lead to an ultimate goal in seeing a life restored, a relationship restored. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You don't leave us bereft, alone. Thank you, Jesus, that you said it's for your advantage I go away. Because another helper will come, the Holy Spirit who won't just be with you, but will be in you. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us so that we can see the kingdom of God on this earth and we can turn upside down the culture and practices of our day and see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, in this area, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Two things I'd like us to pray for. If you're battling a health issue of any sort, physical, emotional, whatever it is, if you're battling something to do with your health this morning, I'd like you to stand. Because I'd like us to pray. I've just felt as we were worshipping and taking communion, You know, it says in Scripture, by stripes we are healed. Healing was part of 
the the result of the cross. So any health issue that you're struggling with this morning, just stand. If you're near to someone who's standing, just if it's appropriate and okay, just put a hand on their arm or whatever. Just just lay a hand on them. Might need a few volunteers for this table. There we go. They're praying for each other. That's good. Okay, so. All I know, all I know is that healing is possible. All I know. I don't get too upset and worried and try to understand why it works here and doesn't seem to work there and what about this. and what I, I try not to get too caught up with that. I just know healing is possible through Jesus. And through what Jesus did. And so, Father, today we stand with our brothers and sisters, Father. And whatever is impacting them, whatever is affecting them, whether it be physical, you know, backs, legs, shoulders, arms, internal in terms of heart, blood pressure, stress, worry, headaches, migraines, whatever it might be. This morning, Father, thank you, Jesus, that you know. We don't need a word of knowledge because you already know exactly what is wrong. And so, Father, we release the power of the cross where Jesus said, by, it said, by his stripes we are healed. Thank you that the cross opened the door for healing. Jesus, throughout his life, touched people, whether it's leprosy, blind, deaf, dumb, lame, and, and, and healing flowed. And so, Father, we pray for each body, physical body, emotions, mental, physical, spiritual. Father, we pray healing this morning in Jesus' name. We release healing right now in Jesus' name. We release healing to bodies right now in Jesus' name. We release life, 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 life through the blood. We release life into every body that is standing and every physical body that is standing. We release life into minds, Lord, that are anxious and stressed and worried. We release peace, Lord God, and into every body that's hurting and pained in whatever place and every way. We release healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for healing, for loving us so much that you gave yourself for us. We release healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your seats. And then this second one, I'm not going to get you to stand, but I am going to pray. If you know that what I've touched on this morning in forgiveness, it's, 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 Basically, you know there's someone you need to forgive. You know, whether it's a friend. I, I, I spoke on this a while back, and I heard of people going on home and going on the phone to people and saying, I was in church this morning, and they were talking about forgiveness. <laughs> I just want to ring up and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I've even even heard of of people who other people contacted them and said, I think I need to forgive you. I'm sorry. And it didn't necessarily end the thing. You know, sometimes there's a, there's a sense of you say sorry and you think like, and that just opens a door to an even deeper level. Sometimes the sorry opens a door to a deeper level of forgiveness and restoration of relationship that has to be worked on and built on. And time given. You know, it isn't just a, oh, it's all okay now, hunky-dory now. Sometimes there's still time, still effort, still process, still, you know, time together to rebuild and reestablish that friendship. So I want to pray for any of you this morning where forgiveness needs to happen. Whether it's a close friend, whether it's a, you know, husband, wife, partner, relatives, whoever it might be. But if there's area of unforgiveness this morning, Lord, I want to pray for my dear brothers and sisters in this community here in, in Clonathley. 
Father, I thank you that God was in Christ forgiving the world. You were in God, you were in Christ forgiving the world. We've taken communion this morning, which is the the body broken, the blood shed for the remission of sin. You've forgiven us, God. It's amazing. You continually forgive us every day, every moment, every time we confess our sin. You're faithful, you're just, you forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone here in this room today who is struggling with unforgiveness. Whether it's something over something very small or it's something very deep and very painful and very hard. Thank you for your grace that's powerful. Thank you for your love that's powerful. And I I pray that you will journey with each one to bring them to a place of total forgiveness. Because I know it's good for us and it helps us and it blesses us and it brings us peace. So Father, I pray for everyone here this morning who is struggling, battling, living in unforgiveness. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help them, journey with them, process with them, and bring them to a full place of forgiveness for their own sake, for their own well-being, that through that your peace will be released. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just finished by praying for our church community. Lord, we want to see Clenethley impacted. And Lord, I pray for churches. Lord, where forgiveness, where just stuff needs to be released. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Because we want to see your kingdom come and your will done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, say thank you, eh? Brilliant, Stu. As always, really helpful.